And now, live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing love-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Pluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome back to the Gut Check Podcast. Uh, Zach, I know I say this every single episode, but uh, but we got a great episode on tap, man. Indeed we do. Um, I'm really pumped about this one. Uh, it feels like it's been forever since we've been in the studio. I realize it's only been like a week, but, uh, but I enjoy doing this that much. And... Um, one of the things that I'm most excited about this week is the fact that we've got, uh, not only are we bringing back an old segment that, uh, that the fans really love and that we really love, but we're, uh, we have a celebrity guest to read uh, the segment. And what I'm talking about, of course, is the Rachel Held Evans tweet. And oh, let me, yeah, yeah. Let me just give you some ground rules if you're new to the show. That's what that guy's doing um, here. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's who that guy is in the green room. So uh, I'll get to that in a minute, though. Ground rules about the segment are that... Uh, we fire up the 1980s randomizer. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We randomly select uh, a Rachel Held Evans tweet, and we read it deadpan on the air. Except that uh, from now on, we're going to have some celebrity voices doing the reading. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. As as the show grows in profile, which if you haven't done it, go to uh, the iTunes page for the Gut Check Podcast. Give us a five star rating. Uh, leave a review if you're so inclined. Um, but only if you're going to say fawning and positive things about it. Yeah, we're not interested in being edited. Yeah, no, we really or aren't. critiqued in any way. No, we really aren't the kind of guys who are interested in being edited and critiqued and, and made better by your feedback. Um, <laughs> but we do appreciate you, and we, we love and appreciate the audience. Uh, we appreciate all that you do for the show. Um, I mean, we do most of it for the show with our words, to be honest. Yeah, but, the uh, words that we say, are, and, and the funny way that the words are said, I it, think, is the, the lion's share of the work. It's the lion's share of the work on a podcast. That's just the nature of podcasting, though, is the thing. Uh, so, without further ado, let me bring in uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, Chris, welcome to the program. Hello, Ted. Chris, uh, do, do you know what... Wow! <laughs> Do you know much about Rachel Held Evans, about the, the, the author of these tweets that, that we're going to be reading? And do you know that you, you're not allowed to give any commentary, okay? You just need to read the tweet deadpan. Well, let me tell you, Ted, two mice fill in a bucket of cream. <laughs> Which mouse are you, Ted? Which mouse are you? <laughs> Chris, thanks for that, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, as, uh, as the honored guest of the program, to hit the randomizer button. Uh, fire up the randomizer, and then I will uh, I, I will give you the tweet to read, okay? Wow! Okay, here we go. And again, no commentary, uh, no reaction. That's, that's the bit. That's Ted, you're of... talking to me all wrong. It's the wrong tone. <laughs> now I'm going to read. The Twitter tweet from Rachel Held Evans... A collective voice is strong enough <laughs> to topple the tower we've built in the name of consumerism. Buff Lee, one E W L W S O. That that's the link, Chris. You you took a very literal take on that uh, on that last part of the tweet. Um, great job, man! Fantastic job. Eat my shorts. <laughs> That was and now uh, he's leaving. He's just he's gone. That was that was Christopher Walken uh, reading what, a Rachel Held Evans tweet. What was on Ted is it seemed to me like Christopher Walken sort of sounded at times more like William Shatner or Regis Philbin. 
Well, you know, you'll have that. I, I've heard <laughs> yeah. that about Christopher Walken. It's really more of our equipment, I think, that makes. I think it is. I think it's our studio kind of gives everybody that that William Shatnery kind <laughs> of uh, kind of sound, ourselves included. Uh, Zach, what else do we have on the program, man? Well, speaking of pulling out our phones and reading things from them, oh boy, I don't um, know where this is going. Yeah, let me tell you a little story. I was uh, I was reaching out to Ted on Saturday because my family was out of town via text. Yeah, yeah. So Ted and I text like, like a couple of schoolgirls, I yep. think. Uh, and so I was seeing if he wanted to podcast on Saturday, and he was all—he's always booked up. Ted's got lots of lots and lots of friends, and uh, so basically we 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 wrote back and forth. That's important because it informs what happened next. Okay. Because my my uh, name must have been the last thing on his phone. So at three forty eight p.m. on Saturday, February twenty okay. eighth, <laughs> I got. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that time and time and place. A time and, and date that will live on in infamy. That's right. He, I got a, a, a text that said, <laughs> I'm glummed. <laughs> Ted, don't almost you, choke laughing at ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we, we would never do that. I'm glum today, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Which I thought was a little bit odd. Yeah. That you would, I mean, even with kind of how I would take that tone. Yeah. 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 But I wrote back something like, you know, podcasting will raise your spirits. That'll be fun. You know, we'll we'll get in and adjust the trim and get everything uh, ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and then at 3.50 p.m., I got one that said, Judas, that was meant for my wife! Exclamation point, exclamation point. Gah! I'm embarrassed. Which was, I don't know. That was kind of the funniest thing that happened See, it to me this weekend. Though, because I, I, I was like sharing my heart to my wife yeah, in a way sure. that I wouldn't with you, and that's what makes it funny. Very, you, know? you were being very uh, authentic, and I uh, was, and yeah, being really real. I was inviting her. What's that word? I never do this. It's uh, you're being vulnerable. Vulnerable. I was what being you were vulnerable. Doing. Yeah. With her. Yeah. And and uh, I didn't know how to deal with that really. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I feel like you handled it really well. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably going to be a recurring joke. I would think in uh, in our world. I feel glum. You know, the funny <laughs> thing is, though, this this weather, and oh. I, I don't want to belabor this, but because I know we talked about it in the last episode, this would make anybody glum. Yeah, after after a December and January where everyone in Michigan was like, "Hey, not bad this year." Yeah, you know? not bad. We can do this. We can handle it. You know, I was able to get out and walk the dog a bunch. I even took my bike out in December yeah. a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's sleeting. And yeah, I'm glum today too. Except that we're podcasting, yeah. and that yeah, that's like this the, counteracts the glumness. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, actually, so. I wrote an essay about that about uh, about February in Michigan, and, uh, and then it's a zombie movie. So yeah, submitted it to um, to a, to a popular Christian blog, and it was uh, it was rejected. Oh, so the, the, okay. Yeah, the editor wanted to make some tweaks to it that I wasn't comfortable with. So, so wait a minute, that that one that you put on your, yeah. your blog then later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but the editor of your blog didn't have any. No, the editor of my blog actually loved it, and uh, and he. <laughs> Loves all my stuff. Come to find out, he's a huge fan. Well, if he's not paying you for it, I mean, he's yeah, exactly. Take what he yeah, gets. yeah, he's going to take what he can get if he's not paying me for it. For oh sure. man! All right, yeah. Well, what about uh, telling us a little bit about what you were doing on Saturday um, when you were glum? Later on, uh, you, you had a little cinematic experience that most of us had, and I think about two thousand and one. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, Saturday night, uh, had a group of friends over, and the, this group of friends found out. Uh, somehow that my wife and I, that KK and I hadn't yet watched The Lord of the Rings. 
and that we were, in fact, the last living evangelicals on earth who hadn't seen The Lord of the Rings. And spiritualized it. Yeah, and spiritualized it, exactly, which I'll be doing soon, I'm I sure, cannot, via my, my blog. I cannot imagine the Saucy Abroad sitting through all 78 hours of oh, dude. any of those movies without, like, just... Well, and I have to tell you, we raging at them. Thank God we didn't watch all the movies. We okay. just watched the one, but the 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 person who was screening the movie for us was adamant that we had to watch the extended cut, right? You know what? Your friend was correct in that. Is that the right? Extended cut is bad. okay. Yeah, we watched the extended cut, which which Zach, I, I'm not going to lie, as I sit here, it ran about four hours. Yeah, it does. So there were, there was a lot of movie there, man. A whole heck of a lot of movie. Well, you know, if you don't have the extended cut, then you don't get to see like a bunch of people speaking in gibberish languages that aren't real. Right, right. You know, who doesn't want to see Liv Tyler, like, sit there and look morose while just, like, speaking in tongues? Actually, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, never mind. That's not for the radio. That's just for, uh, that's just for the gut check offices. It's just your but, struggles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just my stuff, my own issues. But, uh, but yeah, suffice it to say, we, uh, we had a good time watching Lord of the Rings, which I actually came up with some alternate titles for. Oh, okay. Um, and I texted them to myself, but I, I can't seem to find them today. So apparently I must have texted them to someone else. Well, yeah. God, that's embarrassing. Yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> One of my alternate titles was uh, Frodo Looks Forlorn. Uh, I feel like for four hours it was just sort of Frodo looking pained and, and forlorn. Yeah. And also uh, Frodo looking like he's about to vomit. That was another one. Uh, yeah, if you remember the first movie. Frodo looking like he's on ecstasy. Yeah. There's a lot of that kind exactly. of like, yeah. you don't know what he's seeing. He's He's... Having some kind of experience that yeah, you're not having. Psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. The other one I thought, and, and this kind of ties in nicely to a, a gut check project, and we probably should have included this, was the amount of time on screen that Gandalf spends smoking a pipe. Mm-hmm. That guy's always got a pipe with him in that movie, man. Well, we had Tolkien in, uh, in the smoking We companion. did. We had him in the in the And a quote companion. from The Hobbit, not from... True, I mean, which true. is the same, same series. Same kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I was really struck that... You know, as as co-author of the Christian Gentleman Smoking Companion, there was a lot, heck of a lot of pipe smoking going on. Here's the thing, though: I don't think those guys are smoking like a uh, aromatic blend. Yeah, because uh, I don't remember if it was in the first or second movie. Uh, Christopher Lee, who plays uh, Saruman, okay, um, says something like, "Who looks like a weirder looking David Spade, in my opinion." <laughs> You're Don't right. you think? You're right. Like, like if David Spade had pointy ears and like <laughs> long hair and a weird sort of barrette. And it was 700. Yeah, and with 700, he would he would look like that character. But he like chastises Gandalf and says, "Your love of the halfling's weed has made you mm. uh, slow, or something like that," implying mm. that it's actually. I mean, this is not just oh. you know for for um, the, the reasons that Spurgeon smoked cigars. This is more like. Uh, well, the, results in the munchies kind of a deal. I watched all 25 hours of the, uh, the, the commentary and the special features, and, uh, <laughs> and Gandalf actually has glaucoma. So he has a... If you, it, it, there's a medicinal reason for if all If you this. did watch that, you'd know that there's this guy who works for Peter Jackson who mm-hmm. sounds like this. Gandalf is worlds ahead of anything else we've ever accomplished in effects. Is there really that guy? Yeah, that guy. That's a real guy. That guy should read the next uh, the tweet next time. Yeah. Oh, he should. That would be great. We'll see if we can get him. I'll get uh, I'll get the producer on that. Yeah. (laughs) I see him on the other side of the glass. He's waving. He's saying he's on it. Yep. yep. Well, that's just my reflection. Never mind. (laughs) And on the other side of the glass is actually my patio. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Slash control room. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I that that puts some context around the the kind of space we're in. Well, speaking of pop culture, Zach, man, I feel it was a, it was a full weekend in terms of pop culture for me. 
Um, we had the Downton Abbey season finale, which uh, I know we're going to devote some time to here on the podcast because we're huge fans of the Downton Abbey program. And we have inexplicably gotten quite a bit of positive feedback on that, which yeah. I thought that was going to turn off a lot of our a lot of our listeners. Well, I tell you, I think there are a lot of guys out there like us who uh, who, who are fans of the show who maybe aren't comfortable talking about it like we are. It's a safe you know, place, is what it is. It is a safe place. So, guys, if you if you uh, enjoy Downton Abbey like we do, um, nobody's going to judge you for that here. So let's let's talk about that, man. Let's talk about the app. Give me your reactions to the things that happened in the last episode because I feel like there are just so many. My favorite thing that happened. Well, first of all, uh, Pete Scribner. You know who, who yeah, that is? Scribby. Scrib. He, he went. Big, on, longtime fan of Gutcheck, fan of the program. He was on uh, our our Facebook page asking like right after the thing aired. Okay. Was this actually Edith's happy day? Were you able to take what you're you've been writing and sell it yeah, to the yeah. uh, the makers of the series? And and the answer is we just apparently are prescient in some yeah, way. Yeah, I think we are prescient. And what I what I had written for Edith, which uh, which you'll have access to online eventually, yeah, is, <laughs> we keep we keep yeah, saying we keep it. teasing that. But and now uh, all but the storylines that we make fun of in it are over. Are over and have actually happened. But uh, <laughs> no, I. In fact, I think what I wrote for Edith was even happier than what happened. But uh, but actually, what happened in that episode was was the happiest thing that's happened to Edith so far. Like Edith wasn't all glum and uh, glum and morose, and she wasn't texting her friend going, "I'm glum." You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you what, um, she doesn't have any friends. But if she did, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she would text like that lady who had her kid for a while. Yeah, and be like, "I'm glum," and the lady would be like, "I Good. don't care." Good, yeah. I'm glad you're glum. And then, really, Edith's a very selfish, uh, shallow person, and I think that's why she is so miserable. How do you feel, though? And this is a serious question, semi-serious. How do you feel about how mean Mary is to Edith in, in this season? I, yeah, I don't know. She's a very unlikable. You know, there's there's a word for that that we don't say on this uh, on this podcast. Okay. Um, and that's what she's being. Yeah. And she doesn't really, in my opinion, she doesn't have anything going for her at all, other than the fact that she's insanely rich and her son is the uh, heir to the uh, title of Lord Grantham. Right. Other than that, she has nothing going for her. Right. So. Well, I mean, I don't think that she's overly, like, charming or attractive or, no, um, you know, there's nothing magnetic about her. She's just, to me, she just seems like someone I would, like, meet once and be like, I am going to avoid her if I'm ever in the vicinity. And we're talking about Mary now. Mary. Yeah. yeah. I don't get how you got, like, all these guys. Probably these guys are just, they're just. Uh, they're gold diggers. They're gold man. diggers, man. They're male gold diggers. Well, and I tell you, I think it's, I think it's telling in, in some ways that. Um, Mary was one of the only characters in the in the season finale for whom there wasn't a big kind of climactic storyline. Uh, there really wasn't a lot that happened to her character at the end. She met that one guy, and they she met the one guy who him. seems almost like as shallow as she is. So it, it seems like they could be a. <laughs> I'm into cars. Yeah, I'm into cars. Look at my car. Yeah, look how good I am at shooting pheasants or whatever it was <laughs> that they were they were shooting out on the. I tell you what, Ted, I am I am actually a bit of a gun enthusiast. Yeah. And this uh, I know. This you and I have gone it. shooting together. We're, we have. Yeah. And by yeah. shooting, we didn't go out into the country and, and have people load our guns and shoot pheasants. No. We went to, to Mason, Michigan, to a really depressing like shooting range. Scary place. Yeah. And just yeah. put like 50 million rounds through like a picture of Osama bin Laden, kind of right. like what happens in uh, Beauty and the Mark of the Beast. That's right. And, uh, Art imitating life. Yeah, right. <laughs> there, there it is. And, and all the guys I know mm-hmm. who are into shooting uh, would probably... Just collectively mock that entire group of, of you know, foppish dandies. schoolboys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, shoot. Oh, come on. And, and and all the people I know who are really into cars. Yeah. Like, can you imagine what uh, Dallas would say to that guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Dude, you know what I noticed about the shooting scene in Downton was the fact that there was a guy whose job it was to stand there with like a backup gun yeah. to give to the guy after he'd finished shooting the actual gun, and then he would load the other gun. And uh, well, and you remember when they showed World War One? There was kind of like people doing that for the the uh, aristoc- aristocrats in the yeah. real war, like yeah. here yeah. so that you don't have to risk getting shot. Exactly. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, what else about the app? What else struck you about uh, my about this favorite last thing, episode? man? Yeah, I, I even was. I couldn't not talk about this when we were having steaks before the uh, recording here. It was hard not to talk about it during during lunch. I'll tell you that. I had to bring up my favorite thing being Barrow. Oh, Barrow. And his uh, his just ruthless plan to get inside the the up in the kitchen of that yeah. other butler, and uh, and and just kind of gain his confidence, get some information that he could use to just ruin him. Yeah. And uh, really, I guess we saw like Mary and him both like what they have in common is that they're both really just really nasty and vicious mean. Yeah. and devious. But and it just destroyed that guy. But in this case, for Barrow, it was working. It was <laughs> yeah. working to a good end because the guy totally deserved it and had it coming. I I, I can't get enough Barrow, man. That oh, Barrow's great, man. Barrow's that guy's a complicated. He is. He's very complicated. He's one of the one of the more interesting characters on the program. Now I have to bring this up because it was a it was a great moment in our in our house uh, when Carson. Oh man! Near the end of the episode, finally uh, asked Mrs. Hughes to marry him. What a what a great television moment, Zach. Ted, if you and I were the kind of guys who would text each other during, <laughs> during the airing of, oh, of the Downton yeah. Abbey season yeah. finale, we probably would have been texting each other like Carson, yeah. holy yeah. cow! Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not those kind of guys. No. Oh heavens, no! If we were, my wife would have been making fun of me for the balance of the night. All right, so. rolling her eyes and so forth. Yeah, no, we would never do that. But yeah, good for Carson, you know. Good for Carson. Yeah, I mean, steadfast. He's waited a long time for this, so uh, he tried to like sneak it in, like we're going to move in together as a business opportunity. Oh, I know. Yeah, he tried to get all kind of mastermindy about the about the whole thing, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, he just went out and asked her, and uh, and it worked out for him. So, you know, Carson in many ways is sort of the model for. I feel like a lot of these reformed, you know, authors who are encouraging young men to just you know just go out there and like. Ask for a lady's hand in marriage. They could learn something from Carson. I mean, other than the fact that he's like sixty-five and he's waited his entire life. I mean, well, he's been biding his time. He's, he been, has. he's been slowly courting Mrs. He Hughes. Yeah, and what you don't see he in the program, he kissed dating is, goodbye, and then he right. became a butler. And that actually is going to be the next t- trend. I think, <laughs> that's the, the next, next trend. trend. Yeah, yeah. Become a butler for someone. Become a butler. Do the job for like fifty-five years. <laughs> no, seriously, you laugh, but and then the other butler, like the the, the head, like female butler. I think that she's a maid. But okay. A maid, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's important to keep these complementary distinctions in that's, place. That's right. That's right. No, I, I agree, Zach. I think that is going to be the next trend, and you know, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And what you don't see in and the show, butling gives you more um, uh, humility too. Butling is that a thing? <laughs> I guess it does give you a lot of humility. And and what they didn't show you on Downton Abbey was all the hours that Carson spent just sort of. Uh, in group settings uh, with Mrs. Hughes's extended family and and her brothers and sisters and uh-huh. yeah. you know just kind of doing things uh, together, getting to know her parents. Uh, I think her parents are probably long dead, but well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But uh, I envision yeah, Carson a- asking Mrs. Hughes's father. You know, for her, for her hand in like twenty five years ago. Twenty five years ago, just, he's like not right away. Yeah, no. I mean, after twenty five years of working as a butler, I intend to marry your <laughs> to marry your daughter. Right? <laughs> nice. Oh man, that was a, it. Was a really nice. Uh, it was a really nice. It was a really moment, nice ending. Though. You know, and and I feel a little safer now discussing this stuff with you. Yeah. 
Good. On, on the air. I mean, no, we always have we always have, have gabbed about uh, Downton Abbey as soon as we both realized the other's dark secret was that they liked it. Yeah, right. While pretending to, like, put up with it for the sake of the wife. Yeah, right. Um, which my, my deal with my wife was, I will watch the first two seasons of Downton Abbey, because that's all there was, mm-hmm. if you will watch... The first three seasons of Breaking Bad. There you go. And then it turned out they were like my two favorite shows for a while, so win-win for me. Yeah, win-win. Absolutely. But uh, it's become clear, I think, uh, from some of these reviews and, and from the, the metrics here that people are okay with us uh, talking about uh, John I think they're Abbey. more than okay with it. Yeah, and I should probably just mention that we've had now, we're, this is the ninth episode. All right. And we've had uh, more than 25,000 feed hits, which wow, is a pretty good, uh, pretty good rate here. And uh, I know that because I, I, there's not any centralized thing. I had to go through all of the months separately and add them together okay. because people may not realize we're not on Podbean or any of these things. I go in manually yeah. and update the RSS feed because otherwise it costs $3 a month. <laughs> and even though you and I just went and had like an extravagant steak dinner this on, company, on Gut Check. Zach, this company is fiscally responsible. Uh, <laughs> this company is about stewardship. Uh-huh. And um, every, everything we spend, uh, we do the envelope system. So, um, <laughs> so if we go out for a steak and, it, and it's a it's a company steak, we each pull out our envelopes and uh, you know. So we we we've got a little envelope with three dollars in it that was that was allocated to Podbean that we haven't touched, and we're just going to see what see yeah, what happens. That's that. definitely. There's no way that we decided not to go with the three dollars a month because. We were afraid that we would overdraw the account, <laughs> and there's no way that we were afraid of that because we already have done it. No, no, yeah, no, th- that would never happen, not in this company. Oh, wait, no, wait, there was that one time that we did do that. Yeah, and by that one time, you mean several times that, that that's happened. It's just, Ted, wh- what, what do you think is at the heart of that that issue? Oh, boy, I don't know. That's a that's a really deep kind of corporate existential question. I think, I think it, at the heart of it for me is the sense that... <laughs> That our company is doing a whole heck of a lot better than it actually is. Okay, you know what I there's mean? that. There's that. So, it- as as the co kind of CEO of Gut Check, I, I see myself as this kind of Armani suit wearing, you know, power lunch taking uh-huh. kind of kind of Don Draper esque figure. When in fact, you're um, just a sad guy sitting at a dining room <laughs> table with another sad guy talking into a blue snowball. That that was paid for by a different, more more <laughs> a successful, more podcast. successful podcast. <laughs> you could say that, or or not, you know, or or does it just come back to the amount of time we put into the actual product? Yeah, blood, sweat, and tears. You know, you know, it's it, it's almost like Ted. It's almost like you and I hmm? are too busy doing books. To do the books. There it is. There it is. Yes. There that, it is. I think that that really is at the core of it. That is at the core of it's it. It's all about This the, company is all about doing process. books. Yeah. yeah. And, and by that, I mean making actual books that you can buy and read. Right. And so to do the books, it, seriously, we, we joke when we buy something with the gut check account about keeping the receipt. Yeah. Even though we've been stung by the fact that we don't keep track of it at all. We still joke about it. That's our way of dealing with it. <laughs> or not or not dealing with it. Yeah, okay. Well, let's let's talk about doing books. Because um, every every episode here of the Gut Check Podcast, we want to give the listeners something practical about the publishing industry. And by every episode, I mean we'll do that once in a while when we think of it. But um, today we've thought of it. And uh, something, this was a great idea that you brought up, actually. Uh, our, our kind of disparate philosophies on blurbs. Uh, mm. Blurbs are those little things uh, that run on the back cover of a book, or sometimes in the in the inside, right before the actual book, that say things like, "You know, Zach Bartles is the voice of a generation. You know, this novel changed my life. You should buy it." Kind of thing. Um, 
How do you feel about that, man? How do you feel about getting blurbs? See, I have that. no issue uh, coming hat in hand to somebody. Okay. Um, I don't like the like uh, you know mutual admiration society thing. You know where you know this person's always going to write like, and you don't know if they like their books. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I always am going to count on you to write an endorsement. Dude, of course, I yeah. always and will always stuff. Um, but dude, we're friends. That's what makes it different. We're friends, yeah. and we admire each other's writing. Like, I know you're not going to write anything bad that I don't like. Right. Well, I think what brought this into my mind was I had um, sent a copy of my book, Playing Saints, mm-hmm. uh, to several different authors that I just really like a lot. Yeah. Um, just, not even like fishing for blurbs, just because I really liked the idea that they would have it on their shelf. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. got one to Frank Peretti. That's a really great it, idea, and, actually. Yeah. It, it just... Yeah. Especially people who kind of had informed the way I write a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of them was Cliff Graham, who writes these just insanely awesome, like, ultra-violent uh, biblical war epics. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, I... I Is sent- he the guy at West, right? Yeah, he's in Utah somewhere. Yeah. And he's like an army veteran, He's army a fan chaplain. of the program, though, right? Well, he, he has mentioned that he's listened to it, and he, I think he heard about it on the Happy Rant. He was listening okay. to the, the rant. I don't know if he listens to it regularly. Um, I'd like to think. I'm just going to tell myself he does. Sure. Um, but, I mean, he's he's really busy in that he's not just writing books, but he also is, like, freeing people from the sex trade, like, for real. Like, oh, out, like doing yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and he's he's doing, like, kind of a... He's back in traditional, but for a while this guy was doing a kind of a gut check, really innovative thing. Even more innovative, maybe, than our stuff, where, like, you can buy for, for $50 to $60 mm-hmm. the rights to, like, all of his stuff in the future in perpetuity like every time he comes out with something you get it first in a, in a digital format Dude, that's pretty punk rock man yeah I like that. it is really cool yeah um, and I would I'm curious how he's with Bethany now and I'm curious okay. how they worked that into his contract yeah but yeah. anyway he, he tweeted me uh-huh. uh, I like the book you know something real simple and I said can I quote this yeah and he said let me send you something better so he sent me you okay. know and this is way too late to get into the, the book but he said here you can use this and he gave me a really good blurb yeah and it made me think of how you have like if you have to go to extremes of any kind or like any effort, yeah, you won't do it because right, right, it right. seems like you almost think that's not authentic or or what. Yeah, I don't know. I I, th- I think it at some level it just comes down to personality and what you're comfortable with. And and for me, I always wanted to. I, I've been made to get blurbs before. Like you know, I, I thought that was something that you had to do as an author, like early on. So I would, you know, we got a bunch of great blurbs from. From a variety of people, most of whom I didn't actually know in real life. But uh, now, who's someone you didn't know that you got a blurb from? J.I. Packer. Oh right, yeah, the yeah. stand up and yeah. cheer. Well, I mean, yeah, but yeah, no. So, so my blurb philosophy over the years has kind of developed, or I almost said evolved, and then I almost said devolved, and then I said developed, devolved, uh, devolved into a thing where I really only ask my my friends, like, uh-huh. like people who I I really know well, people who I know like me, people who I know like the writing. Um, because I, I think at some level I just don't want to bother people that I don't know. Well, and, um, and here's, a, here's a question. I yeah, mean, like, yeah, sure. people you know who are writers and, and who have, you know, a platform of some kind yeah. that your, your publisher is going to be like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. Like, I would hope that now with two books out with Thomas Nelson, nobody's going to be like, we're not going to put this Zach Bartles thing yeah. on here. Like, they'd be yeah. like, oh, okay, okay, it makes sense. But, um, for example, we always have a, a blurb from uh, Corey Hartman, Pastor Corey Hartman, on our, our gut check stuff. Age 7. Age 7, age yeah. 12, age... And then you like hit, the childhood Corey Hartman. Who <laughs> lives in your mind. Preternaturally, <laughs> like, intellectual and, and well, you know, very... I've spoken yeah. with him on the phone a few times and over email, and I bet that's how he was when he was age 7, <laughs> actually. Yeah, speaking of, like, you know, 
categories of Calvinism and stuff. Right, right. But then you have uh, quotes from him, or blurbs from him. Yeah. From actual him. Actual him, actual Present blurb. day. Adult uh, Corey Hartman. Yeah. In, in the last two or three of your books, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And it's just uh, pastor of, you know, right. Hollidaysburg Baptist Church or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever gotten, had, had an editor say, now, who is this pastor and why? You know, I haven't. Um, yeah, all the blurbs that I've submitted or, or gotten... Um, especially over the last couple of years. Yeah, and a lot of them are just from friends of mine who are pastors in various places, and uh, and editors have always used them. They've always been really cool about that. i got to wonder if at some point Corey could just kind of become like the guy w- without even any any real explanation, the guy that you really want to get a, a blurb from. That would be like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to create that that persona for him. So He'd be the next J.I. Packer. I think my books need to do a little bit better, but uh, but <laughs> but no, I would love to create that persona for him. Like, he's walking down the street, and people are like, oh, you're Corey Hartman. You're the blurb guy. Right. You know? <laughs> what, yeah, what should I be reading? Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do you recommend? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I think that uh, I, I've had some blurbs that, that an editor just got for me from some big names. Yeah. Um, people that I had met a few times, you know, here or there, or, or that I interact with online. Right. Uh, who I wouldn't have probably gone after. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any issue with that either. I mean, especially yeah. if yeah. they read the book and, and they're not blowing smoke. Right. I like people who are reserved. Yeah. People who are like, yeah. if I don't like this, I'm not going to pretend I do. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, one other thing I do want to do is uh, uh, read a couple more of these reviews. Because when, when you asked people to give us some positive reviews, yep. we got some more. Fantastic. And Let's I think hear that's em. awesome. I haven't um, seen these. And, and some of them are, are rather funny. Our, our listeners are hilarious people. They're hilarious people. Um, of course they are. Here, here's one that I really like. Uh, I don't know if you want to uh, read this one. I feel like this is the, this is the one that best really kind of captures the ethos of our... Right, right on top there? Uh, the one that says, baby, this is fresh. Oh, I love it. Baby, this is fresh. From, from Dak Heller. Uh, he says this. This is one of my favorite podcasts. And by favorite, I mean one that I listen to. <laughs> They talk a lot using words, and oftentimes they use them in funny ways. <laughs> I love this guy, man. I love D- Dak Keller. we got to yeah. get him on the show. Heck yeah. I really enjoyed listening to words, especially when used in funny ways. <laughs> if this endorsement resonates with you, this niche elitist podcast may be for you. I love it. Five stars from Dak Keller. And you know what is the best thing? What's that? Uh, you remember how we read the one from Stephen Otrogi saying he, he digs us, especially when we talk about things other than gut check? Yeah, yeah. Damning with faint praise. That's uh, his favorite thing. Dak Keller, <laughs> uh, the same day that he wrote this on our wall, yeah. wrote a, a five-star review of uh, The Happy Rant in which he said, I, <laughs> I dig Ted and Barnabas, especially when they talk about gut check. <laughs> I love it, dude. Dude, Dak <laughs> Keller is the money. we yeah, got to get that yeah. guy in here. Dak Keller, if you're out there, man, drop us a note. Drop us a little uh, a little gut check email. Uh, and then uh, this one's kind of funny too. Speaking of a podcast as a commodity. Oh, great, man! It, this is called "Buy This Podcast." Its value can only go up five stars from uh, from Chuck Webbis. I love it, man. Here we go. Not only is this the best gut check podcast that has been done, it is the most. Nothing surpasses it in quality and quantity. Ted and Zach thoughtfully and humorously enrich the podcast series with all the things that so many people crave. Objective energy drink analysis, period drama expose, and reviews of reviews, which is ironic because I'm in the middle of writing one right now. <laughs> this guy's great, man. I love Chuck Webbis, too. There's a Weebus. I don't know. Webbis, Weebus. Let but us know, Chuck. There's more here. Hit the more button. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Seriously, even if the podcast is like 18 <laughs> minutes long, it feels like 45 because the content is so rich. 
If the Gut Check podcast were a stock, it would be a buy. Its value can only go up. Chuck Webbis is a businessman like we are. Nice. Dis- business mogul. He's a business mogul like us. I, I like to think of Otherwise him Otherwise you wouldn't a- know terms like buy and sell and <laughs> stock. Exactly. Like only people who are in business and who are moguls know those terms. I feel like Chuck Webbis is kind of like the Ellis of this program. You know? Yeah, yeah. In fact, maybe you could read the, the balance of it in kind of an Alice voice. Well, the balance of it meaning like the, the remaining three paragraphs because there's a lot. <laughs> but long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little bit more. Hey. John Boy. John Boy. <laughs> you got to do that to, get, to prime the pump, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Hey, John Boy. I've recently purchased two titles from Gut Check Press and I've read nearly all the bonus content available on their website. Now I know something about cigar smoking thanks to Gut Check. More importantly, since it pertains to this disclosure, I also feel a close connection with one Chaz Marriott, a very gifted and talented writer and whom, I am certain, we will hear about more and more in the days and years ahead. Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be done yeah. there because there's, there's a, a lot, lot more. more yeah. But it's great. It's all, it's all good stuff. If you want to find that, go on iTunes. And while you're there, maybe leave us uh, your own review. And if you made it to episode 9, you probably are going to give us 4 or 5 stars. Otherwise... I never understand people who continually listen to something they don't like yeah. and then go in and like trash it somewhere. But there are those, those people, people out are there. out there. N- those not not are. usually in the niche of a niche of a niche. Niche of a niche of a niche. Exactly. Baby, that was really encouraging, man. Thank you for sharing those reviews with me. I feel hey, uh, I I'm I'm a Barnabas. You know what I feel? I feel less glum. <laughs> I feel as though later this afternoon I won't need to text you and let you know how glum I am. Gah! <laughs> Now, Ted, we were talking about getting together, our, our families, mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. And in the past, something that we've often done is yep. uh, watch a movie that we know is going to suck. Yep. And mock that movie. Yeah. Often to the chagrin of our wives. Which is a really fun thing, though, that I we like it's to one do with my, our words. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's, it's like, one of the funnest things ever. It's delicious. Dude, it's a perfect thing to do on a Friday night after a hard week. You know, you're kind of kind of exhausted. Right. And uh, you just throw in a crappy movie and just and just destroy it. Right. You want to watch, together. like, The Great Gatsby when your mind is fresh. Yeah, not exactly. when you're, like, one yeah. on one. Yeah. And, and, and you want to watch Broken Arrow. Oh, or, Broken Arrow. Face Off. What was the crappiest one from the 90s um, that had Dennis Leary and... Uh, like Donald Faison. Judgment Night? No, but we should watch Judgment Night, We should Night, watch dude. Judgment Night. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, Dennis Leary's in that. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez. Cuba Gunning Jr., pre-Jerry Maguire. Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Piven, oh, man. pre-Entourage. That's Jerry like a Piven. who's who of kind of moderately successful 90s actors. Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff plays somebody's too. brother. I think he's like Estevez's brother. What's the crappiest movie we've watched on one of these on one of these Friday nights? I was trying to think of it the other day because I was in a conversation with somebody about Jean Claude Van Damme. I think the and crappiest... we've watched some some really epically bad Van Damme pictures. We watched Hard Target. Hard Target. Actually... That's the one where he's hunting people, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a John Woo movie. Oh, Johnny Woo. And and it was bad. Wilford Brimley was that in was that. That was awful. That Shons. was so bad. Yeah, Sean. Wilford Brimley trying to do a French accent. Yeah, they were Cajuns. They were... Oh, yeah, you're right. They were Cajuns. And they were living in the bayou. And Wilford and... Brimley was in... He was in overalls, which seemed, like, strangely appropriate. <laughs> that was the movie where somebody... Uh, John Claude Van Damme was running away from the people who hunt people. Yeah, <laughs> and he grabbed this snake, yeah, like a rat, rattlesnake or rattler. Yeah. yeah, I remember this. Bit the rattle off of it, of course, and he then did. like tied it to a tree. Yeah, right where he knew the bad guys would come. Yep. And then the bad guys are just walking along, and then like, oh, what do you know? There's a snake mm. biting me on the neck. Mm. And then 
The old snake tied around a tree trick. <laughs> it's almost, you know... Yeah, if it's you almost cliche that, nowadays. Yeah. That was a horrid movie. Yeah, that was so funny, though. I wish I had I wish I wish had all these on tape. Dude, like, you know what's funny? John Woo is one of those directors where every once in a while you, you'll hear somebody be like, hey, it's a John Woo movie, you know? Uh-huh. Like, it's a good thing. It's going to be you like an I mean? arty like action a, movie. Oh, yeah. There's going like to be dubs a, flying. Oh, it's a John Woo. Yeah, you know? so was uh, Face Off, and that sucked. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was fun movies. to watch. But oh, it was, totally fun to watch, but horrible movies. I remember we were watching that, and you were tired, because it was late okay. at night, and, yeah. and, and your Ted's wife, when she starts to get tired, she's just like, she'll disappear and come back with her pajamas on, and she'll just start sighing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she doesn't make any secret that she's ready for you know people to leave. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and the movie is like, it's it's got to be winding down. I'm the only guy yeah. in the place who's seen it, I think. Sure. And I say, Ted, if you think this movie's going to end without a boat chase, you are sorely mistaken. <laughs> but, and what do you know? There was a boat chase. But John Woo made the only crappy Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Which, that's not, that's unforgivable. That's almost hard to screw up. Yeah. Yet, yet he did it. He succeeded in that. Did you see Ghost did- Protocol? I think I did, yeah. It was awesome. That was that Jeremy was Renner was in it. Oh yeah, I like that. Um dude, what was the uh what was the Steven Seagal picture we watched? <laughs> wherein wherein Seagal was a No, this is a real thing. Seagal played a novelist, right? And you're supposed to believe that this gigantic guy with these thick like sausage fingers is a novelist. It was horrible. Who also kills people. That was kind of the storyline. I remember there was a scene where Hitman novelist. He's like being questioned by the police. Okay. And he he writes under a nom de plume. Oh yeah? And and do you remember this? The detective comes in, she's got one of his books. Yeah, yeah. Inexplicably. Right. She says, Do you write these books? He's like, No. (laughs) She goes, Oh yeah? She flips through it for like half a second and goes, Sounds like you, but it's got a different name. She does that actually in every interrogation. She just brings in a random book (laughs) from Barnes and Noble. Just to keep people off balance. Yeah, just to keep them off balance, and it could be a way to find clues. You know, and what I remember mean? that we, we still, to this day, well, when, when there's a keyboard around, someone <laughs> will write in this kind of like completely disjointed, yeah, like just. Well, obviously, the, he's never actually written like typed on a keyboard. Yeah, he would well, know that. yeah, and there there were many scenes in the film of uh, of Seagal typing. You know, supposedly composing the great American novel on a keyboard, and it it looked to me, and you can speak to this. It looked like a guy like sort of kneading bread, or like with broken fingers, with broken fingers, or like or like smashing bugs on a table. You know, that was the motion that that he was using when he was typing his novel on the keyboard. Other than that, though, that the character than, was really thick and deep and and layered. Yeah, yeah, there was so much going on. Remember, there was also a scene where somebody like said something like snarky to him. Okay. And he like hit them in like the neck with like a, a shot glass, and it like broke, and they like yeah. bled to death. Yeah. And then they just cut to another scene, and there was like, never any consequences for the fact it's, that he no, killed it's them. a it's a completely consequence free environment. If you're a, <laughs> if you're a novelist who is also Steven Seagal, then you can get away with. <laughs> and that's the movie where we started joking about him living in the the like rundown hospital where they filmed where it. they filmed the movie where they so obviously filmed the movie in a in a <laughs> decrepit abandoned hospital. <laughs> That in the movie it was supposed to be a functional hospital, right? Yeah, and then and then parts of it were also supposed to be like a like a office building. But you but can was, see sort of the yeah. <laughs> sort of the realty signs in the background, like the biohazard yeah. thing yeah, they pulled right. down. Oh. And it was clear that that actor, former actor Steven Seagal, did live there, and yeah. they found him there when they were filming, and they were just like, "You want to be in this movie? Do you know how to work a computer keyboard?" And he like faked his way into, "Oh yeah, it. sure, I've done that." I love it. I love it. Now. I feel like this had a point. I feel like you were gonna you were setting something up about what we do with these movies and maybe something for the audience, right? Well, you know, what were, you, what were we thinking about? I was going to ask what you audience? thought we should watch, but I think that I think that maybe we should watch Judgment Night, man. I think we should. That's think, the one where um, 
Dennis Leary is... They're going to a fight, right? They're going to a boxing In an match. RV. In an RV, because that's a thing. Yeah. Well, and then apparently in the early 90s, you went to boxing matches. In our, it was in Chicago. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? The, the freeway is backed up. Let's mm-hmm. get off. And okay. then they wind up in like Cabrini, Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green, yeah. And, and for some reason, if you're Dennis Leary, yeah. even if you're kind of like a... Uh, and like a, an uppity, shape. like mouthy white guy. Yeah, like a redhead, like yeah. freckly. That somehow, because you've smoked so much, your voice is husky. Mm-hmm. Everyone will be afraid of you. Everyone respects you in Cabrini. Yeah, yeah. You can you can stand like at the the in the hallway and shout like people of the projects. I demand that you deliver to me the people who are hiding in your midst, or right. tonight will be horrible for you. Which is a thing that he shouted in the movie. Yeah, and, in so and many he's words. not cut down in a bunch of bullets. In a, yeah, in a, in a haze of gunfire. Right. But you know, Piven has a wonderful scene in that, like some of his best acting. Pivs. Where he uh, gives, sacrifices himself, yep. remember? He pretends yep. he's going to be able to talk his way out of it, but he knows they're going to throw him off the building. Mm. And he like kind of gets choked up. Yeah. I love Piven, man. Dude, there's a lot going on in that movie. Do you ever we watch, watch uh, Mr. Selfridge? Never. Me no, neither. Never seen Me it. neither. I see commercials for it during... Uh, That's the one that comes on after Downton Abbey or at a different time? I'm not sure. It's not been after it lately. Yeah. Huh. But, uh, yeah, Piven, man. That guy yeah. is... Yeah, he's a good actor. He's, he's been around. Done a lot of things. Piven is a guy who we should get on the show soon to read uh, a Rachel Held Evans tweet. <laughs> I feel like he would be a great candidate for that. I, I do, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, producer. <laughs> and and by Piven, we mean maybe you won't recognize him, but yeah, it's just because of the blue snowball. Yeah, the limitations. Exactly. The limitations of the studio that we're in. Zach, it's been a full program. Indeed. This has been great. This, this uh, is our longest program to date, man. Is it we're really? Looking, we're looking up near 40 minutes here. Wow. Well, uh, we should land the plane. Uh, we should shut things down for this episode of the Gut Check Podcast. But as always, thank you for listening. Uh, go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Uh, write something fawning that will encourage us. Thanks for checking out the Gut Check Podcast. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.